Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. What's my story? In 2007, I was divorced, in debt, stuck in a soul-sucking job, desperate to have a meaningful, fulfilling life, but not sure where to begin. I made a simple choice at the time, to start honoring my yes and to start speaking my no. Consequences be damned. After all, how could my life possibly get any worse? I began the long path of becoming a professional songwriter, finding my fearless voice along the way. Now, I'm living my dream life as a husband, father, and professional storyteller. Jason Anspach considers himself to be a lifelong storyteller, but it was only five years ago that he made the decision to start putting his work out there. His first series covered his expenses and found a home with a small niche audience, and after that first taste of success, he reached a fork in the road, asking himself, do I continue writing as a side hustle, or do I reinvest myself in understanding the marketplace so that I can work full-time as an author? He chose to start planning for success, and in 2017, his co-created military sci-fi franchise quickly developed a rabid, engaged community of readers. The income was enough for him to quit his day job, and he's been working from home and spending quality time with his family ever since. Jason Onsbach, welcome to The Fearless Storyteller. Hey, I am very happy to be here. Thank you for having me on today. Hey, it's my pleasure. So for people who don't know you uh, in the different communities, what do you want to say about yourself? Um, yeah, I, it's best not to know me. I'm not important really at all, but I am here. So I'll try to make it interesting if nothing else. But I am a military science fiction writer. Mm -hmm. I co-created a series called Galaxy's Edge with Nick Cole. And that series is just kind of taken off and done really well and, and allowed us to have a nice living as professional authors. Um, a lot of people ask about the theme park and uh, we, were, we were first. The theme park came after we released our book. And so we are able to sleep at night without fears of lawyers with mouse ears creeping up on us and trying to take us down. We've, we've had our talks with Disney and found everything to be friendly. Wait. So there's a theme park called Galaxy's Edge? There is a theme park called Galaxy's Edge. I've never been there, and I don't know that you want to go there right where, now. Where is it? It's yeah, certainly not at Galaxy's Edge, I assume. No, no, I think it's in Florida somewhere. Mm, well, that's similar sometimes. Yeah, similar, similar. It's one, you know, Florida has every theme park, so it's, it's in that little theme park alley somewhere around there. Cool. Well, hey, maybe they'll want to collaborate. Yeah, right. I, you know, I, I see the direction they go and I see the direction we go. We tend to have a little bit more of a realistic, gritty military aspect to our stories. Like our, mm. our uh, space Marines actually know how to shoot. We felt like that was an important aspect that was missing from Star Wars. So I don't know that they want to go down that road. I don't know that they want to. <laughs> not like, a, not in a theme shot. park? Yeah, they don't want to have people actually get shot in theme park or in the movies, right? Like the stormtroopers, the first order troopers, they can't mm -hmm. actually hit the good guys. That's going to ruin the plot. Right. Now there is some like kind of off label stuff that Disney owns where they do get pretty gritty. Right. right. I've... Yeah, maybe. I mean, Rogue One was a little bit more gritty, right? People but I think... like everyone died, right? 
Yeah, everyone spoiler. died. Spoiler. Spoiler, right. I mean, if you haven't seen it by now, everyone died. But, but yeah. Disney did that, and people were like, all right, not bad, not bad. And then they said, now we're not going to do that again. And so I don't know that this really counts. Mm. You can only do that in a prequel. You can only do it in a prequel or on The Mandalorian until someone wises up and says, you know what this needs? This <laughs> needs more Palpatine. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. So when's Palpatine coming to Galaxy's Edge? Uh, we, we're trying to buy the character rights, but <laughs> apparently that's very hard to do. So I'm not sure we're going to get him. Cool. So, hey, like, serious question here. Mm-hmm. Um, like, why writing? Uh, I was just always a storyteller, and I liked to write movie scripts. I liked to watch movies. I liked to read books. And so I was always growing up daydreaming about stories, um, writing little stories, drawing comics. Just It was just something I always, always wanted to do. In my fifth grade yearbook, they had a little question like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And mine was, I want to be an author and a baseball mm. player. So oh. I managed the author thing. Um, baseball didn't work out for me. Well, but, wait, so you're, you're batting 500, which is actually yes. like kind of groundbreaking. Yeah, I know, exactly. If I could have just done that all the way through school into college, um, then maybe I wouldn't need to write, right? Like people would just buy stuff from me based on my name. Because if you're batting 500, I got to think you're getting some media attention at that point. It's true, but you'd still have half the year off. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I know how I'd work. I'd have half the year off and then I would just completely, completely let myself go. And then it would be batting 50 the next year. (laughs) And then 30 years later, an ESPN cautionary documentary about me. Right. Well, you might be like Kevin Mitchell. I don't know if you remember that reference. I do remember Kevin Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm fellow Pacific Northwesterner. And mm-hmm. so I don't know if you remember when he came to the Mariners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he hit seven home runs that year. Well, hey, that's seven more than I'd hit. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really positive way to think about it. Yeah, exactly. And so... For all intents and purposes, if you know you Google around for Jason Ondespach, the the trail kind of starts to grow warm around 2015 or so. Yeah, yeah, 2015 is where I actually said I'm gonna I'm gonna write a book. I'm gonna try to put something that I've written out out there. And so, mm. um, what what I had done? My wife my wife was an English lit major. She was a writer. Um, I say was because she's sort of on hiatus. She's become a full-time mom and she's a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so she spends uh, a lot of time serving others and not writing. But before before I wrote uh, my first novel that I sat down and said, okay, I'm going to finish a whole novel, not just a short story, not just a screenplay, but a novel. Mm. Um, Before that happened, she she had run the game. Like, and the way the game was, was, you know, you wrote, you wrote your book, you tried to get an agent, you were querying, you were getting rejected left and right. And so she played that game. She got her agent, Mm. nothing panned out. And then we had our our first and and sort of like, she just said, well, Hey, this is, this is what I want to do much more anyway. And it was off to the races. So by the time I got serious about writing a novel, the uh, industry had changed so much. And uh, that independent revolution that was afforded by Amazon and and Mm eBooks had already kind of happened. And I bought a Kindle pretty early and I remember downloading an independent novel and it was like a fantasy book and it was just like edited poorly. The plot didn't make sense. And I was like, Oh, this is garbage. So I just swore it off. And I said, I'm never going to read 
anything mm -hmm. that's not published by a major publisher again that was a mistake you right know, it was really really sad about the loss of 99 cents um but then uh fast forward a few years i went and i saw a book that looked interesting to me and uh, it was uh, pennsylvania by michael bunker and okay. the cover looked okay you know i didn't even think about whether it was traditionally published or not i just read it and i thought okay this is a pretty good story um by the time i got to the end of it i saw that he, he had done it himself. He was, he, he had published it himself. And I thought, Oh, that's, that's really weird. So I, I started looking into it and found uh, like a lot of Joe Conrath stuff. You yeah. know, he was a guy that was just telling everybody uh, just kind of all the, all the secrets. And then, you know, Hugh Howie was one of those early people who was telling people things. And, and so I quickly realized, Hey, this is, this is something you can do on your own. Yeah. And actually if you're successful, you're going to be really successful. And um, my job at the time was as an executive uh, at a transportation company. And so I understood business pretty well, understood marketing pretty well. And I felt like, well, I've, I've got an opportunity here. So, um, rather than go the route my wife did and try to find someone to approve, you know, to give her the golden ticket, I right. said, I'm just going to make this as high end as I can mm -hmm. publish it and see what happens. And that, mm. that was called till death. And it, it did well. It, it sold, uh, about 10,000 copies. Wow. Um, but that a lot a of those good first swing. Yeah. Well, I, I had a book bub during that first trial. So, you know, yeah. so it's like, that's going to add you a lot of copies without adding you a lot of revenue, but yeah. it was enough to pay for the, you know, to make sure the editing was paid for, to make sure the, uh, the art, uh, which is by just a great artist named, uh, MS Corley, hmm. um, make sure that was paid for and, and make it so I could write a couple sequels. Um, and so then I never looked, I never looked back. I never looked back from there. Um, when that series had kind of run its course, I refined and took what I'd learned and then collaborated with Nick on Galaxy's Edge. And then that really took off in 2017. Okay. And well, let's, let's, let's pause, pause for a moment on this, this part of the story. Let's pause. Yeah. So you, you had this first series, um, you had enough success to feel permission to keep going with it mm -hmm. and you had some lessons learned along the way and so i'm i have a lot of curiosity that like i find these moments in between or where a lot of those decisions are made that kind of impact where we go um and so i'm curious what you kind of were thinking about at the time as you kind of made a big shift from right like kind of comedic, hard-boiled ghost mysteries mm -hmm. right, to co-writing on a sci-fi military series. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did. And, and it's really just two aspects of the same personality. And, and mm -hmm. that's something I think a lot of us realize. Like, mm -hmm. you write a genre, um, but that's not necessarily all you are 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I really like comedies. I really like history. I like the fantasy of that golden age of Hollywood where, you know, you're in the movie business, but it's also somehow pure, you know, it's the singing in the rain type, yeah. type situation. I like that. I thought, you know, I grew up watching a lot of those movies. Uh, my mom was a big fan of that golden age of cinema. So we mm. watched a lot of that stuff. So that was just an aspect that was going. And I figured, Hey, if I'm going to write a book, I want to, I, I want to write something that I know can be quirky and fun enough that 
if I'm 70 years old and my grandkids say, oh, I didn't know you wrote a book, I can give that to them and they can mm -hmm. go, oh, this is fun. We know why you didn't become Stephen King, but this is fun. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I want to reach that point. Um, so I did that. I did that first. The story that was uh, the first book in Galaxy's Edge was one I had already and I, and I had kind okay. of by the side, um, but I just didn't think that's what I wanted to lead off with. Ah, uh -huh. well, that makes, that makes sense. And did you feel like you already had enough like success if things kept going just as they were that like you would keep going with it? Um, I, what I what I realized was there's going to be two different paths uh, before me. There, there's the path where you could say I, I want to do this and I want to make a living off of this, mm -hmm. and then there's the path where I want to do this and whatever comes from it is nice, but ultimately it's an artistic expression, just like you can go in your basement and paint without having to sell it at a gallery for thousands of dollars. You can just do it. Um, and that's, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. What I was trying to determine is, you know, I, I was writing a book maybe every, every five or six months, like without those, that first trilogy, right? Maybe that might've been even, even more spread out than that. And so what I was trying to figure out was, all right, this isn't enough money that you can really do much of anything. You're paying for your production costs. You have a little bit left over. Um, but you're not you're not dreaming of island vacations and second homes or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so if I'm going to do that, that's okay. But I need to be realistic about the amount of time it takes me to do, the pace that I'm working on it, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so with uh, with Galaxy's Edge, I approached it from the standpoint of I think that this book, unlike my first series, has a much larger audience, which is something I learned along the way. Like, yeah, we can have very diverse, quirky, I, I like to pull in this and this and this, and that's great for you. And it's great for like the 500 other people out there who are like you, but yeah. the vast majority of readers, listeners, um, they don't share all those same quirks. They might like one of them, but the blend doesn't taste good, right? Like it's, mm. it's like you, you're, you're building, like, it's like you're just throwing things in a blender. There's a point where you can say, you know, yeah, usually I do like steak, but you just put it in there with the yogurt and I'm right. not sure I want to drink this now. Right. And then there's other people who are like, this is the best tasting thing in the world. Um, right. So it's trying to find the biggest chunk that says this tastes great. Mm -hmm. uh, New Galaxy's Edge had a chance to be a lot bigger. And mm -hmm. so um, we approached that, I approached that differently. Nick approached it differently because he had similar experience with his writing. Um, and once that took off and we realized, okay, this is the level of success that you can have when you are going big, when you are hitting a big market and when you're delivering what customers want, mm -hmm. um, then the possibility of actually doing it for a living became very real and very okay. quick, very quick. So, that so it sounds like heading into 2017, you were pretty well educated and you'd found somebody to collaborate with. Yeah, yeah. Um that that's so, totally right. He he yeah. Yeah, you want to go into the collaboration or Yeah, that and the getting educated part like like how do you like you know turn that corner right um, and find the information that's going to work for you. Right. Well, all business has a certain level of there's commonalities in every single type of business, you know, that mm -hmm. you have a commodity and you have a customer base and not every commodity is the same. And not every customer base is the same. And mm -hmm. so I understood that. Um, what I didn't understand with my first series was 
that I was selling like a, a very niche commodity to a mm -hmm. very small customer base. And the people who found it liked it, but there weren't enough of them to support, right? Like you can, you can start producing, you know, you can make t-shirts and uh, the more obscure the reference goes, the, the smaller your sales are going to be, right? Like people are going to spend money on a Star Wars shirt uh, right. a lot more than they're going to spend money on, you know, some obscure art house quote um, that only 10 people in the room sure. get at any given time. It's sure. the same thing with writing books. So I understood that and I said, um, all right, I, I know how business works. I know how this works. I know what stories I want to write. So out of the stories that I want to write, and I had probably five or six drafts of different novels, mm -hmm. most of which are still in the drawer. Mm -hmm. But I said out of those, the one I'm most passionate about and the one I think that the most people will want to read was Legionnaire. Mm -hmm. And um, and Nick was, uh, Nick was in the same position where he was sort of saying, hey, you know, I'm, I want to, I want to come along on the ride with you. And I was, you know, he was like a mentor to me because he was a guy that was right there at the forefront in 2011 when things hit, you know, his, his, uh, the old man in the wasteland sold a hundred thousand copies. Mm. He got a, a big traditional publishing contract. Mm -hmm. Um, he had done it all. And, and then he was back out, uh, back out as an Indian and we were all just trying to figure out, okay, how does this work? Because the days of just throwing anything out there, in finding success had pretty much passed. Right. And I think a lot of people were kind of still hoping that that was going to be the recipe for success. Hmm. So, so yeah, so we talked, but business wise, a, a lot of it was just things I picked up on the way and um, learned in other areas of business and then realized this, this all translates. This is all the same industry. Hmm. You just have to figure out how you're going to market, how you're going to advertise. And if your product is going to actually do what, the people you're marketing to want it to do. Right. And did you like figure this out in a bubble or did you have some community or mentorship that kind of like maybe influenced? Yeah, it was, I think it was a mix of uh, existing knowledge and hunches that you, know, you already know, but there's always variables and then f getting connected with the right people to affirm your hunches and give mm. you just little bits of detail. So uh, Chris Fox, for example, is a guy that had great uh, book marketing advice, great, mm -hmm. great advice on that. And um, so I, I was introduced to him a while back and we hit it off and um, remain good friends to this day. Mm -hmm. But he was able to say, yeah, you're right on. And here's what I've discovered. And so just having those conversations was helpful. Right. Um, being able to talk to other people who were already successful in that genre at the time we were going in. I think uh, Jasper Scott mm -hmm. was an indie who was writing um, military science fiction at the time. Richard Fox was writing military science fiction at the time. And um, they were able to, they were able to kind of say, here's what we're seeing. So that just helped us challenge assumptions that we had that um, we weren't hearing repeats. And a couple of times those hunches paid off. Mm -hmm. um, the cover for our first book was different from the cover for all other military science fiction books at the time because yeah, which, which can be counter to advice, right? Right. Yeah. That was counter to advice. But, but I felt like uh, from what I knew about branding and marketing that um, what was happening was that people were actually giving themselves the wrong cover, but everyone was giving themselves the wrong cover because everybody was doing it. Mm. Um, and I think that by doing the cover we did, we were able to make it stand out 
um, significantly at that time. Right. So, so just little things like that. And then afterwards, um, you know, talking with other authors that have had similar success or, or were able to share frustrations, just a lot of note sharing. Um, that's, that's, that's all data. That's all research. And then right. you take it and process it and then try to make the best, most informed decision you can moving forward. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like it helped you then get really committed about where you're moving forward to? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because we had committed ahead of time. We said, all right, you know, we're not just going to put a book out there and see, let's see what happens. And if nobody likes it, we'll just drop it. We had committed to doing at least a five book series and then evaluating at that time. The first book ended up being such a success that we didn't have to follow through on that strategy. We were just <laughs> trying to get our content you know, to where it needed to be and out to a very hungry fan base as quickly as possible. But yeah, we had, we had kind of set everything up. We approached it um, from an extremely cerebral approach. And, and that had been a change, I think, from what we had done before, where we were trying to express ourselves artistically, right. but weren't really concerned with the business side, sort of, you know, the muse strikes, you put it out there, and you let destiny decide, right. <laughs> that kind of approach. Um, on, on, on my second series on Galaxy's Edge, uh, that, that thinking was out the window. And I said, yeah. if I'm going to do this, I'm going to treat it like I would any other business yeah. venture. Now, now I hear, you know, I'm glad you've already kind of addressed, you addressed it in passing. I just want to highlight, it wasn't like an either or between I'm going to pick making art that I'm passionate about and making a good business decision. You made a filter, it sounds like, of your existing ideas and said, this is the one that I'm passionate about all of these. And this is the one that I feel most solid about as a business investment. Would that be yeah, fair yeah, to characterize it that that's way? That's absolutely fair, right? That's yeah. that's exactly it. This that I had a lot of directions I could have gone, a lot of different stories, some of which uh, now have the opportunity to be uh, purchased or adapted into different things because of the success of the first one, right? And um, and so that's in a way, you know, you get to do it all. But yeah, it was all these are things I'm passionate about. I've never written anything where I have sort of you know, caustically, um, just, just had a jaded approach and said, Hey, this is what sells. So I'll write it. Um, mm -hmm. because I feel like, I mean, that works to an extent it, it does work. If, if, if the people are wanting a certain product, you can rush in there and say, I have the product, but I think long-term, uh, people are going to be able to differentiate between the people who have a real passion mm -hmm. for that form of art um, and are delivering a high quality version of it and the people who are there to say, Hey, I'll just hit this and yeah. cash out. And then yeah. what's the next thing? Um, and I think that unfortunately from like there's, there's, there's a financial reason to, to do that because it is a lucrative way if you're one of the people that can write really fast and I don't want to hold that against anybody, but yeah. there's a larger world in publishing, um, that starts to involve television and it starts mm. to involve studios mm. and um, that's a death sentence, like plain and simple. That's a death yeah. sentence um, because they're investing in people and the, it, it's, it's a weird having, having now seen my career expand to where we're getting into that mm -hmm. and, and had those conversations with uh, different executives. Um, it, it's amazing how the decisions you make before, before someone's going to ask you, can we, can we talk about a TV show? Um, how they can impact 
impact your standing in that room after mm. the fact. Mm. Like what's a good example, I guess, of something. So let's say that as a listener, I'm like you in 2017 and I'm thinking about my next big bet, right? Maybe I'm thinking about getting more serious or intentional. Like what's a decision I can make that's going to help put me in solid standing three years later? I, I think that the first decision you have to make is you have to know what is your, what is your goal in writing? And the answer to that is varied and there's, mm. there's no wrong answer there um, within the law. Um, <laughs> so I should probably specify <laughs> that, right? Um, you know, if, if your goal is simply to tell your stories and to get it down and if someone else likes it, great, then, um, then just, just do what's going to make that easiest for you. Um, but if your goal is to make a career out of writing, if you're saying, I want to be someone that can be supported by my writing, Mm -hmm. mind there's a lot of authors that are you know arguably more famous than i am that have blue check marks have way more followers on twitter than i do mm. that are working day jobs because they don't sell enough books yeah to, to make ends meet so you have to decide what your ultimate career goal is you know all those things and then when you make that decision then actually plan out how it's going to happen. It can be a very short uh, decision tree that you go. Mm -hmm. I want to write books because it makes me feel good and it helps me just escape from the stress that's going on in my life. Mm -hmm. Okay, well then just write those books and write yeah. whatever you want and don't feel like you know you've got to you've got to churn out a, a nineteen book series. Just do what you want and, and feel good about it and be happy. Um, but if you're saying I think that I have the chops. I think I have the creativity to create a franchise or a series that is going to be able to bring me income for years to come. Mm. Um, then work that out and, and, and don't just let it sit in the realm of a hunch or I hope this is right, but actually investigate what you're writing. Um, what is it really like? Is it really what you say it is mm. or is that what you want it to be? But it's really something else. Um, What's the market look like for that? What do those readers want and expect? What, you know, th there's just so many questions you can ask yourself, um, your own presumptions, your tendencies, things like that. Um, you have to have those things answered and figured out if you're, if you're going to go and try to purposefully build something. And, and at this point, compared to 2017, mm. I think that it requires a much more purposeful approach to be successful than it once did. I, I think it's getting much harder to find success in writing as an independent now than mm -hmm. it was in 2017. Mm -hmm. That was true compared to 2011. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just the way it is. But, but yeah, it's putting in the effort and being able to articulate, here's my business plan. Here's why this works. If you're trying to make it into a full-time thing. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're just doing it for the love of the art and that's, that's your only reason, you know, don't obsess about it. Just, just go have fun. Yeah. Improve your craft and enjoy it. Right. And you never know how no, that you, might. You never know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's absolutely true. You never know where someone who's really committed and pours themselves into doing their very best and takes the time to make sure the words are correct, to make sure the editing is correct, to make sure it's clean. Yeah. You never know when someone will see it and say, well, actually, I need to, I need to buy this, tell someone about it, do something about it. Right. Um, but, but again, that, that requires you pouring your heart and soul and actually right. caring about what you're putting out. I think that's fair. And we may not always be good at, at 
the business side of like analyzing markets and demand, but we're all products of our culture. Mm -hmm. And so it's probably a fair bet that many of the things we choose to write have broader market potential than we think. Um, So one of the things I wanted to ask, just looking at everything, is like, what do you, like you have some clear cultural influences in your work, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like I'm getting some vibes of like Star Wars and GI Joe in Mm -hmm. there. Really? Like, is that fair? Yeah. I grew up on that. That's like part of the shared mythology. I think of people of a certain age. Yeah. Getting into the collaboration and co-writing part, like, I guess first question is what was your intention for specifically doing it as a collaboration versus doing it yourself? Um, I had done it myself once and I felt like I knew at that point that there were, there were things about uh, publishing things about prose, just things about things about the industry that I didn't know. Mm. Um, and I thought, well, you know, here's, here's a guy who's always taken the time to talk with me. Mm. And, and he was the one that prompted me to even, to, to, to go ahead and write the book that I wrote mm. um, uh, that, that we ended up collaborating on that I had initially had in the drawer, like I said. And I, I knew that my series was done. Like, I, you know, th- there's, there's people that would still like more books, but it was, it was done. You know, it, it wasn't going to be, the, the, turns had, the returns had diminished to the point where it wasn't going to be self-sustaining. I'd have to invest out of my personal personal finances to keep mm-hmm. it going. And at that mm-hmm. point, it's you're, you're weighing obligations to your family, to your spouse versus, you know, wanting to just put out another book just, just to feel good about yourself. Right. That's how it would have been for me. Right. Um, so I was talking to him and, and he said, well, what do you want to write? And I was like, well, I, I told him about the story and I said, I'd like to write something that like my dream would be that, you know, someone says, Hey, come write a star Wars novel or, or, mm. or, or write a new GI Joe uh, comic book or something like that. He said, but that's not going to happen. And he was like, well, just do it yourself. Like yeah, he yeah. said, because yeah, those things are all copyrighted and, and you can't say, you know, you're not going to write fan fiction, but, but you know what makes those stories resonate. Like, you know, you know how plotting and pacing works, you know how adventure works and you know how the military works. Mm-hmm. So just make it, make it happen. Like, like create something new that people feel like this reminds me of how excited I was when I watched this or when I did that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so then my next thing was like, yeah, I'll do it, but will you do it with me? Because I wanted him there so I could have that knowledge base right at my fingertips. Yeah. And so he was like, yeah, I got nothing else going on. Nobody wants me. Um, so he, uh, so we, we teamed up and yeah. uh, we just got lightning in the bottle. That's awesome. So you already had a relationship going into it. And yeah, we, 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 yeah. we would play D and D together. That was, okay. that was our relationship. Yeah. We yeah, yeah. Played together with a group of guys online. And, um, and so that's what allowed us to kind of have those, those deeper conversations. Right. And at that point, did you like think about things like, like all the down the road decisions like, Oh, royalty splitting and copyright and, all the other things that go into owning IP or co-owning IP. Yeah. Because of the way I am. Yes. Yeah. Like, like he was always very much like, Hey, I just, I just, I just write books. Like that's, that's always been Nick's approach. I just write books, which mm-hmm. isn't to say that he doesn't understand business or anything like that, but, but that's his passion, right? He just mm-hmm. wants to just, just write. And um, I tend to think much more along the terms of, 
okay, well, how do you market this? How do you sell this? How do you build a fan base? Mm. You know, what do you do for merchandising? All that sort of stuff. And so our partnership turned into where, you know, I, I just had free reign to go and pursue those things and mm. um, let him know what was going on. And, uh, and, and his answer was usually like, sounds great. You know, like, right. so the like, roles, the roles kind of sorted themselves out. The roles sorted naturally. themselves out based on, based on our own, um, our own strengths. Yeah. And, um, and so that's what I did in addition to writing. Um, he was, uh, certainly making contacts and, and helping us get our brand out there, um, mm. doing what we could, uh, with, with what we had. And, and, uh, but we decided pretty early on, like how things were going to go. And, you know, we have, we have a shared faith and, and we said, Hey, you know, above all it's, it's written into our contract. We said, mm. Hey, this is what we believe about, um, doing what's best for each other, about treating others as the way we want to be treated. Um, and, and these are the, this is what we're putting in place. Uh, so everything's fair and upfront and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a marriage, right. um, in, in yeah. a very real way, like yeah. you're, you're married to your business partner. And his success is my success. My success is his success. And, um, and we've, we've been able to have a very strong friendship and partnership uh, because of that. Yeah. You're, you're both committed fully. All in. All, yeah. in. All in. Yeah. So that's got to feel good. Yeah. yeah, it does. Right. Because, um, it, I mean, it's tough. Like, like partnerships, businesses fail. And, when uh, success gets in the way, uh, egos can grow. Yeah. Um, people's desires can change. Yeah. Um, you know, you might not want it as bad after you've tasted success or after you had some money. Yeah. And so, um, finding a person that has a shared outlook and who's doing it for a love of writing, a love of the readership, yeah. um, finding someone that you know is going to be there in the trenches with you no matter what is yeah. absolutely crucial. And yeah. you know, I've only met a few people in life like that and uh and i try to hold on to those people yeah i hear you it's kind of like that intentional building your tribe is really important absolutely yeah and so i heard you talk about on another podcast six figure authors about you kind of dipped your toes into for a while collaborating bringing other authors into the universe mm -hmm. and i'm you know i'm Without rehashing all of that, I'm, I'm curious what you learned in that process. Right. Yeah, I think that was when we were still early on and mm. um, we were taking uh, kind of that shared advice. And at the time it was, hey, you know, the, the, the key to success here is to just keep your, your brand and your content growing and get co-authors in. And, and so we had an idea for that. And uh, we brought in some co-authors and I'm thankful we did because mm. everybody that we work with was amazing. And a lot of them are, uh, you know, like talk to daily friends type, type situation. Mm. Um, Jonathan Yanez and J.R. Hanley in particular guys mm -hmm. that I, I don't go a day without talking to, mm. um, just fantastic people, um, mm. who absolutely love, love the universe. And if there's someone that loves galaxy's edge as much as I do, uh, mm. J.R. might be, <laughs> might be the guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, we went into that process, not really knowing what to expect and, um, kind of said, Hey, here's, here's what we've done so far. Here's what our readers expect and let's, let's work on something together. And, um, you know, it, it was fun to bring a fresh perspective, a, a fresh spin on, uh, on the universe. Mm. But what we found just from a pure business perspective, because we try to 
have such a high level of canon and uh, just making sure everything's, uh, we don't have contradictory stories, things like that. What we ran, what we realized is the amount of time that it takes to ensure mm. that that's the case, to put in that level of QC mm-hmm. um, really undermines any advantage you think you might get from having other people working with you. Right. So it's not right slower, forward. really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, not, it's not like, hey, you know, in the time that we would have done one book, now we've got four. It's like, it's more like, okay, we can't even do one book because we're working on this one. And that's, right. not, that's not a complaint. No. And, and, and it, I just, it has to be clear that it's not like a, you're saying there's, there's a lack in the people that you're working with. You just don't realize how much effort it takes, or we didn't realize yeah. how much effort it takes to get something, to, to bring someone fresh into, you know, a juggernaut and, and then say, now let's make this fit as seamlessly as possible. Right. Um, it, it's difficult. Sounds like a key word in all this is focus. Right. And, like maybe by doing that, it got easier to lose your focus or to be multitasking so much that, yeah, like you say, because it almost becomes a project management problem. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's my danger in particular, because I still run the day-to-day business operations. I'm still working with our suppliers on coming up with new merchandise, new t-shirts, new, you know, stickers and posters that, that are constantly selling. So, you know, I'm doing that plus trying to get my, my word count in. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and that's, that's just it. Like you reach a point where you say, you know, I could never write again and mm. I would be busy and, and, yeah. yet I, and yet I want to write. And so how do you do both? Right. And you want to write because I want to write because I love writing it because yeah. I want to know what these characters are going to do. Like, like I have a vague idea obviously of, of everything that's still uh, going to happen. But, but at this point with this many novels and with the world as fleshed out as it is, you know, these are, these are real people that exist in my, in my head. Mm. And, um, and so I, I need to know what's going to happen. <laughs> like, like, it's like I'm waiting for them to call and tell me what's going to happen. Um, and that doesn't happen if I don't write uh, yeah. nearly as much. So let's assume that, peop- that if we're talking to a subset of the audience who believe their first love is writing, um, they want to be career authors or they are career authors. Mm-hmm. Um, they have family. And obligations right and you know and health's another thing that comes in there right right um so like for you how are you making this all work um i'm most successful when i have the discipline to compartmentalize my day and, and really plan my day out um the, the the days when i could say hey i feel i feel the muse i really feel uh, that, that spark to write those days. Um, they just, I just can't wait on those days anymore. You know, mm-hmm. the, like those days where you, you sort of get a spark and you mm-hmm. start writing at like nine o'clock and then it's, you know, 2am on a Friday night and you've written all that straight and you have this great result that, that, that doesn't, I can't wait for that because it's not as productive, um, or effective as it needs to be for me. Mm-hmm. And, and the same thing goes with, you know, your kids want, want to play with you every day and you've right. got a limited amount of time you yeah. need to work on your relationship with your with your spouse like those things if left untended will 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 fester will die will turn it's not not a good spot to be so for me what works best is to um block out 
time for everything that that is important and some days are going to blow up and you just you just deal with that you don't i try not to be you know so anal retentive that i i have a, a what about bob breakdown when something yeah work but but it's it's saying this is the block that i'm going to work out and that's what's going to happen yeah. this is the block where i'm going to answer emails and then you're not going to be able to reach me unless you have the bat phone uh for an emergency this yeah. is the block where i'm going to write this is the block where I'm going to edit. This is the block where I'm going to take calls. And if I can keep myself committed like that, focused like that, then at the end of the week, I, I can feel good and productive. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I, I could work all day long if I was left to myself. Mm -hmm. So I make it a point to just take Sundays and say, um, to follow that Sabbath mentality and say, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not going to be striving today. You know, today is a day that I'm going to put aside for, for faith, for reflection, for reading for my family. Um, and I'm going to make myself stop. And I think right. that allows me to recharge and reset, um, and, and tackle the next week, uh, much more efficiently than if I just kept going and going mm -hmm. and going. So how often do you kind of like, go into the calendar and block it off is it like every day i'm making decisions about how my plan's gonna be or is it like i set all that up ahead of time for a block of time um for me it's not setting up ahead of time for a block uh too far ahead because there's just too many variables and so if i did that i'd just sort of be i, I would just sort of be setting myself up for frustration mm -hmm. um you know some important people call you're working on uh, deals and, and, and projects. And if they say, this is when we have an opening, you just have to make room for that opening. So, sure. Sure. So I, what I try to do is have certain constants every day. Like, like I know, I, I know about when I'm going to get up. I know when I'm going to exercise. I know all those things. Hmm. And I just make sure that those things are done. And uh, I know when I'll kind of go into the office. So I just try to, when I get in there, block that out uh, as it goes. So like today, for example, um, we're having this call in the morning and I knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. And so I made sure to work out and made sure to have my coffee. And then we have this call. And then after this call, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll probably uh, set my timer and say, all right, you know, go off in three hours and I'm going to, I'm going to commit to a solid word count where I don't check my email. I don't, Mm. surf on the internet i don't leave my office mm -hmm. until that three hours is up and then we'll see what there is to show for it um that's what works for me that's that's how i'm able to handle it so that when you know six o'clock six thirty comes around um i can leave the office turn off the lights go upstairs have dinner and then spend the rest of the evening with the family yeah yeah and so those those constants you mentioned every day is that something you had to kind of work to figure out what you needed to get into the office every day or yeah because you'll naturally do the things that you want to do mm. um without having to be told so whether that's like playing a game on your phone like mm -hmm. you know it's like oh you know my, my level's unlocked or whatever it is whether that's uh whether that's playing a game on the phone whether that's surfing on social media you're already going to have a natural tendency to get in the things that you really want to do. Mm. And so what I try to observe about myself and my wife is a great help for this is, uh, you know, I, I can say I'm busy and I think all of us can say, Oh yeah, I'm so busy. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but she can identify and help me identify. Okay. But these are the things that you think that you're always too busy for. Mm. And so if they're important and yet you're somehow always too busy for them, then it, you know, you're, you're choosing other things over them. And so once mm. you make that realization, 
then it turns into, all right, now I'm going to focus on getting this done. I'm going to focus on getting on the assault bike for, you know, at least 30 minutes and then lift weights. It has to happen because if I, if I just let the day play out and play it by ear, that is always going to get squeezed out. Mm. Like I know my tendency is always to squeeze it out. That's not someone else's tendency, but it is mine. Um, and so once you're aware of that, then you can plan for those things. Yeah. So it sounds like you're like, I think about the author battery a lot, like our vitality, right. And mm-hmm. our health is kind of the foundation of our business. Right. Yeah. And if we're low on charge, quality of our work suffers or we get sick, we can't even get into the office. Right. Sounds right. like you've, you've figured that out. Right. Yeah, and I think that like uh, when you reach that point, it's 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 one of those things where it's true for authors, but it's true for anyone who yeah. runs, uh, who's responsible for themselves and for yeah. their own family. Um, you know, you, sick days are, are what they are, but but it's up to you, right? It's up to you to make sure that you're making calls. If you're a realtor, it's mm. up to you to make sure that you're cultivating leads, following up, doing all those things. Um, mm all these things are, are reliant on you. And so our, our business is the same way. Mm. It's on us to maximize the time we have and just have to be aware that a lot of times our natural inclination is to do anything, but the things that are best for our careers or best for ourselves. Yeah. So for the year ahead, you've mentioned working on kind of expanding beyond just the world of books and independent publishing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so where's your focus kind of moving forward? Um, I think, uh, I think it's a, it's, it's a couple of different things. It's really the same focus. Like there is an expansion beyond books and things like that, but our focus remains on our community of readers. Mm. And so all we're trying to do with anything, whether it's television or getting a video game made, um, is, find a new way to service that same core community and uh, get them what they'd like. And so a lot of it is tied into just listening to that audience and saying, okay, what do you want? And then doing the work ourselves, like what are they talking about? And then doing the work ourselves to see, is this feasible? Um, You know, does it make sense? Because people will always say, oh, I want this or I want that. Yeah. But it might not be worth your time. And and you might be better off saying, hey, go for it. You know, (laughs) go ahead and go ahead and do it yourself because we can't we can't invest the time to create our own line of miniatures as cool as it would be. Um, But if you've got a 3D printer, show us what you can do. Yeah. That's Um, kind of an opportunity for partnership in your community, right? Yeah. And that's happened. uh, That's happened a number of different ways um, for us where we've we've sort of said, Hey, we're interested in this, but, um, we don't have the time to do it. And then we've been hooked up with people who have that level of expertise and that's opened up opportunities for licensing and, and different, different things along those lines. So, yeah. um, but yeah, our, our big focus is what, w- in, in what new way can we serve our audience in, mm-hmm. in what new way can we serve our audience? And, and of course we want to keep serving them the way we have. We want to keep delivering books. We want to keep delivering, mm-hmm. uh, you know, audio experiences and things like that. Um, but if there's an opportunity to service them a new way and, uh, and also bring in bigger chunks of people, uh, through a different media, then we feel like that's, that's, that's always our goal. That's always what we're striving for. And because we are so narrowly focused on a specific 
group of people, a specific genre that we've kind of found and has become part of our tribe, mm. um, it makes those decisions a lot easier at that mm. point because we're not trying to reinvent the wheel um, and we're not trying to find the next big thing. We're just trying to be the absolute best community and uh, service provider for the people who are right there with us already. Right. So basically you're, you're committed to the business that you've built in essence. And sounds like you're thinking about galaxy's edge as that business, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Galaxy's edge at this point, what we realize is galaxy's edge is, is really something that goes much beyond the books we wrote. Um, we have like, when I say a community, like it legitimately is a community of readers and listeners um, even people who hang out and have never read the books, but yeah. they hang out because they like talking to the people who are in that base and right. in that community. So, you know, you've got a lot of veterans, you've got a lot of people who are just looking to, to reconnect and find, uh, just some semblance of the camaraderie they had when they were deployed mm -hmm. when with their buddies. And, um, and, you know, we've gotten, you know, we get letters from people who have said how, what we've written has helped with PTSD, has helped them then plug in to the community and, and kind of help improve their mental health. Mm. Just yesterday, um, the, uh, the official Discord, the, uh, the moderators there uh, put together a, a special channel where the guys can talk to each other and kind of be paired up with a buddy that they can just just let, let them know what's going on. Get the yeah. things off the chest. Uh, this, is the, this isn't stuff that we sort of sit in the back room and say, okay, here's how we can, here's how we can maneuver ourselves with uh, charitable giving um, to, to improve our book sales. This is just a natural outflowing of serving a community. So when we go up mm -hmm. and we say, hey, guys, we're going we're gonna to start selling some signed stuff to, uh, to, to then donate to charity and try to help with uh, veteran suicide, we can get that community to come together and, and raise $10,000 pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but not because we've got some master plan, just because we want to be part of the community we're in. Right. And the community we're in is a healthy, um, good community. It's not, it's not a sniping kind of negative, um, cutthroat place it's a place where these guys these are just some awesome men and women mm. and um and so yeah that's 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 what we base everything on is is sort of our readers over everything else how can we how can we be there for them because they're there for us awesome it sounds like a really nice union of energies you're 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 being taken care of you and your family by putting this work out there and and you're creating other benefits as well yeah, yeah, stuff that is far beyond anything we expected or could have game planned for mm. when we were first starting off, and it's and it's humbling and it, and it's also inspiring. It makes you say, "Hey, I don't want to quit," and also, I can't, I can't half-ass it. <laughs> I, you know, I can't, I can't go and, and and just do the cash cow. You know, I, I can't just write the same story and say they'll buy it. You know, that's that's not acceptable. Uh -huh. So for our community, it's uh, it's. Hey, we're going to be there for you, and we're going to we're going to do this as good as possible. And if we reach that point where we just can't deliver anything that is good and original and unique anymore, mm. then, then we'll move on. But mm. um, we respect them too much for anything else. That's awesome. Well, I have two final questions. Um, first one's very super serious here. So, projecting out twenty years from now, in the next twenty years. Mm -hmm. Who's most likely in your family to defeat you in arm wrestling? Mm, in 20 years time. So, all right. 
you know, my, um, I think that, that the obvious choice would be some of the boys, right? Like they're getting into that teenage years, they're getting some strength. Mm. Um, that's the obvious choice, but I think I have enough of a competitive fire that I can summon the, the old man strength, like the old man <laughs> super strength. And I think I can hold them off. Um, so I think it would be a dark horse. I think it would be like one of my youngest, like a, like a little daughter or something like that. Mm. And I think it would just be one of those, one of those things where you just get played, right? Like where, where they, they they've maybe been hitting the weights a little bit. And mm-hmm. they, and after I, after I have like an epic battle with my oldest and you know, I'm still undefeated, they kind of step up and laugh and act like they're going to get beat in one second. And then I find out I don't have enough in the tank. So I, I think that's <laughs> what the way it's going to end. All right, so the dark horse candidate. Yep, that's the one you least expect. I like it. And then last question is for people who want to know more or follow you, where can they find you? So um, if you want to know more about Galaxy's Edge, you can go to galaxiesedge.us, and then that's going to have stuff about the the series. I have my website, jasononspock.com. I might update it someday even, but, but mm-hmm. there is, there is at least contact contact forms there. So if you want to reach out to me an email, um, you can find me on Facebook, uh, by searching my name mm-hmm. or by joining up. If you want to get involved in that community that I was mentioning, if that sounds like a good place for you to hang out and, mm-hmm. and, uh, then that's, uh, that's just called the galaxy's edge fan club. And, uh, you can just go in there and start talking and ask what the secret link is for the discord and, I don't know why Discord is so hard to join, but um, <laughs> but it is. So but I hear it requires a, a, its own certification. Yeah, it's like a speakeasy, right? Like you have yeah. to know the secret handshake, and then. Um, yeah. But at any rate, yeah, you can you can find me there. I'm on Twitter as well. Um, again, just search my name. My name is so unique that it's like I can really rely on um, just being found through a basic search. Like I don't have uh, I don't have like a last name like Smith where you get right. like 80 results. Well, so you've won SEO. I've won SEO by by version of an obscure German name that someone along the lines decided to spell with an A instead of an O. And, Perfect. Uh, and so it's like, hey, I, I've got it. I've made it. <laughs> You've arrived. Yep, that's right. I arrived the day I was born. It was great. Wow. Jason, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Hey, it's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover the Fearless Storyteller podcast. Mm